Hi, my name is Matt Markier, and I'm your host of Botanical, a podcast about California native plants. And in our very first episode, we're looking at one of my favorites, the valley oak, also known as the California white oak, the Sacramento oak, and Quercus lobata. Quercus is the genus that's telling us that it's in the oak family, and lobata is the species, and it's really tying us into the fact that its leaves are really deeply lobed for a white oak. And I always thought that the valley oak was distinctive for its lobe leaves, but I have recently learned that no, white oaks generally have relatively lobed leaves. The valley oak just has it a little bit closer to the midrib, or what you might generally think of as the stem of the leaf. What is more distinctive of the valley oak is its bark. And I do want to say that the valley oak is in the white oak family, which pretty much just is letting you know that its bark is going to be a little bit wider. There are some more deeper botanical things that I don't think are particularly of interest for us here. But white oak in general just refers to the color. It's kind of like an ashen gray or off-white color. And for valley oaks, they have this really kind of rugged alligator-like bark. It's really cool to look at, especially if you get up close to it. They can live up to be about 600 years old and can grow about 60 feet in 20 years, which is pretty crazy. Can you imagine growing 60 feet in 20 years? I'm only 25 and about one-tenth of that. More on the white oak in general, 100 species or more are known to exist all around the world, and they're only missing in tropical Southeast Asia. These trees are wind-pollinated. They have acorns which are their means of reproduction. The earliest known fossil for the white oak and in oaks in general is in North America. And we believe that the white oak actually originated here and left America um, some point after Pangaea and traveled to what is now modern day Europe. When we're thinking about oaks, maybe we're thinking about early um, usages such as with the Vikings for boats are in early um, Gratian or Roman um, mythologizing of oaks, it is to me important to keep in mind that historically the white oak and the oaks are from North America. As for the valley oak, they were found from all the way up to the top of the state in Siskiyou County to San Diego County at the very bottom. You would see them in the interior valleys and the foothills and of course here we're not too surprised if the name Valley Oak or Sacramento. Um, we could also maybe imagine that it could be called, you know, the Fresno Oak. And they are a fundamental part of riparian ecosystems here in California. And that just means ecosystems around the river. And it is estimated that only about 6% of the historic riparian forests are still present in California. And because of that, there are very vigilant restoration projects underway right now. And most of them are using the valley oak as a primary means of meeting these restoration goals. And I think that's really interesting because the oak is such a significant organism to humans throughout history and comparatively spiritually as well. You can look at so many early cultures and modern cultures and see that the oak is a symbol of wisdom, of strength, and durability. And it seems wherever humans go, oaks are kind of a part of us. 
yet here in California, it seems like the oaks have kind of been pushed to the side. And that's something that really kind of disconcerts me and compels me. It fascinates me. And I think it, there's a really interesting story as to why we're here where we are today. And I think in many ways it illustrates the story of California. So let's get into it. seem in poor taste to begin our story in ancient Greece, um, as it just right seems so disconnected from where we are here in California, accepting, you know, a shared climate, the Mediterranean climate. But I really want to look back at the history of um, acorn eating, um, because I thought, I think this is a really important part of California when it was founded as a state, was labeling Native Americans as acorn eaters. And I really want to kind of look into and kind of unpack that statement. And I think ancient Greece provides a interesting account. And I want to start off with Hesiod. And Hesiod in his work, or rather I should say text because it's called Works and Days, he asserted that honest people do not suffer from famine since the gods give them abundant subsistence, acorn-bearing oaks, honey, and sheep. Ovid, a later Latin writer and poet, he wrote that acorns were eaten before ag in splendid affluence. I think we can even look at the natural philosopher Pliny the Elder, who saw the oak as the tree which first produced food for mortal man. Now this next point is more just think of it as a thought experiment. In Genesis, there is a call to eat nuts. There is archaeological evidence for grinding tools before wild wheat was ever used. And for the people living in the Mediterranean, the food that would have been available to them, as we know today, would have been oaks, junipers, pistachios, maples, and wild pears. Now this means that the acorn was likely a major food component of these early diets. And the acorn is really nothing to laugh at. It is a nutritional powerhouse um, when it comes to food. According to an article in the Scientific American, acorns are a reliable source of vitamin C. They have a higher caloric content per unit weight than your average cereal grain, and they are high in magnesium, calcium, and phosphorus. Now, the valley oak is a little bit different as every oak acorn has a different nutritional content to it, and valley oak has a bit higher um, tannin content than your average acorn. They're also a little bit lower in protein, I believe. So what's going on here? It seems like acorns were a fundamental part of ancient diets, and they were revered. And the acorn, I think it should be mentioned, is the staff of life in a lot of Native American tribes. So why do we see the acorn as a novelty foodstuff? And on that, only two modern cultures are known to still eat food from 
acorns, and those are the Americans and also Koreans. There are some Korean foods that are made from acorns. So let's go back to that terming of the Americans as acorn eaters. And there's this quote that I thought was quite effective at kind of illustrating the attitude towards the Native Americans. Settlers called them sleek, well-fed, and indolent. Of the various acorn foods that they had tasted, like the acorn soup or atoli, they said it was just ugh, terrible. They didn't like it. And overall, there is a attitude of superiority and of um, primitiveness of the Native Americans. And I just think it is curious, after having developed this idea of, of acorns being a component, the cultures predating the cradle of Western civilization in Greece and in Rome and even maybe um, with the Bible. And I think it's interesting to see how that might have played out here in California as well. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but I think it's cur- it's interesting to think about. And I think it's interesting to think about, too, when we talk about acorns as being a novelty food. How much is that coming from this narrative lineage of acorns being a foodstuff of an earlier human, of a story of human progression that we've left acorns behind and that you can't go back to them in some way. And I bring this all up under the conversation of the Valley Oak because I think you really cannot talk about a native oak in California without talking about the Native Americans who had such strong relationships with these trees and had a cult- such strong cultures surrounded around acorns and around respecting the ecosystems here in California. And for me, the Valley Oak is special because I am from the Central Valley of California. I come from Fresno. Um, also, that's why I was like, maybe it could be the Fresno Oak. And I, I feel a special connection with the Valley Oak in some ways, with my family having been here in California for multiple generations. And I feel attached to the Valley Oak in a way that I don't feel attached to the other oaks, such as the Black Oak and the Hills, or maybe the Coast Live Oak on the coastlines. And on that, I just I also want to mention that there were over 100 tribes with their own language or dialect of a specific language. And with the Valley Oak, I want to talk more about how they would have processed these acorns. So first, of course, you would gather the acorns, you would gather ones that fall to the ground already, or you would shake them and gather them, and you could gather hundreds in once, and it could be a day-long process. Acorns wouldn't be taken in mass. There was an understanding of leaving acorns for other animals and for the oak stand to continue, not to take everything. And once they were gathered and dried, they would have been ground with a motor and pestle, and then after that, leached in a depression of the sand to wash away all the tannins. And that was really important for the valley oak acorns. And then once that was all done, there were different levels of foods that you could make with the acorn. I say levels because it really depended on the skill of the chef, I guess I'll say, for lack of a better term. And there was a really strong culture around making these food items. It was Women could only do this. Women were the ones who had their motor and pestle. And it was passed down or it was also the modern pestle would have been put with their gravesite and not to be touched again these were things of great reverence and respect and older women would have been greatly revered for their ability to make acorn bread which was known to be the most difficult thing to make moreover not just from the acorn the 
gall of the oak, which I have not talked about yet. It's also known as the oak apple. It's this dark brown or maybe kind of like a tawny brown color. It looks pretty much like an apple, but it protrudes in kind of gnarly, almost warty (laughs) ways from the tree. And that is actually not a fruit. It is not an apple. The gall is produced by a hormonal response induced by a wasp, which has the crazy name Andricus Quercus Californicus. And it does this so it can lay its eggs. And inside those galls um, are little wasp larvae, or maybe the former kind of embryonic shelter of the wasp larvae. But these galls are actually quite useful too. And this is another element of oaks, not specifically of the valley oak, of course, but have oaks have made an impact on human history because you can make ink from oak galls. And da Vinci wrote with oak gall ink. But juice was also used to make an eyewash. It was also used to make dye for basketry to make patterns. Um, and in modern usage, and it was used by Nemeric too, but the tannins of the oak galls can be utilized as a mordant or something that helps affix a color to a fabric. With all this in mind, it's, and to see, I mean, if nothing else, just looking at these large groups of people, these tribes who were thriving in abundance, they had all that they needed. And these people came in and created forts and took out a lot of these valley oaks because they were a nuisance. They were you know, mush oaks, there were better things to have. And now, as one research article put it that I came across, Valley Oaks stand as one of the most threatened communities in California due to flood control and modern ag activities. And to reiterate, only about 6% of the historic riparian ecosystems exist today in California. And the Valley Oak is also a key species in foothill woodlands. Let's talk for a second on the valley oak savanna. The savanna is essentially a the mix of a grassland with a woodland. And for the valley oak savannas, that just meant that valley oaks were found throughout all of these native grasslands in the valleys of central California and coastal California, from all the way up the Sacramento River Delta to about this mo- the mountains of Santa Monica. And in the past 200 years or so, they have been firmly changed. And while they still remain, developments in ag and within cities expanding, they have been altered. Their places of life in the valleys of California have been taken. They're being edged out. They're technically not threatened at this moment, but they are under the near-threatened status. And I think the things that really do challenge these valley oaks, in spite of their resiliency, are not necessarily going to change in the next couple of years. They do not do well in degraded soils or heavily grazed areas or even heavily polluted spaces. And I think we can just look at Silicon Valley and how many Superfund sites it has. In fact, it has the most of anywhere in the States. And I think with the expansion of more ag and of the Central Valley cities, these Oakland savannas, or these Valley Oak savannas, are going to continue to be challenged and threatened. And so in that, I think the valley oak is such a powerful symbol for what it means to be a modern Californian. And for the state in general, I think they're a symbol of the past, even before human interaction. They're a symbol of California 
before it became a state. And now where we are going towards the future, I think they provide potentially scary, but um, also a lot of promise with a future. I think they are a great opportunity to kind of reconnect with the landscape and with nature. And I, for me, I think that's something that's going to really be powerful in the coming years. And I think, I hope that there is a shift towards a deeper understanding and respect for the natural spaces that we live in. <laughs>